Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Four down, two more to go. Steelers and Bills in a blizzard today. Eagles, who knows what awaits them if they don't get things done. But on this day, we are talking about the shock. The D in Big D stands for done. Let's do this. Here we go. Only one place to start. It's one of the worst playoff games the Cowboys have ever played. And exactly where it ranks on your own personal uh, playoff disappointment list is up to you to decide. Yeah, number one, we're very disappointed. Uh, I don't think anybody saw this coming. Holy smoke, I still can't believe what I saw yesterday. And and we are delighted you were with us here. The hashtag crew is with us this morning, except for Bubba, who was there to watch it in person yesterday. We'll see if Bubs checks in this morning. I hope you saw some of the pictures and things like that that we were posting of him. He was having a very, very good time, and then the game started. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that was the end of that. Neek is good enough to hang out after we wrap up Get Up this morning. One of the things that I tweeted yesterday, Dominique, is where I will start this. I can't believe how surprised I was by what happened, which is to say the Cowboys' history of postseason disappointment, let down all of that, should have given us at least some preparation. It should have given me the sense maybe this was a possibility. The idea that they would just get steamrolled, worked, no-show, whatever term you want to use, for whatever reason— it surprised me way more than it probably should have. Well, they played a team last year in the playoffs that was worse than them, and they beat them down, the right. Bucks. Then right. they played a team in the 49ers that was better than them, and they got destroyed. So, like, if you think about this Cowboys playoff history, while it has been disappointed, uh, you can't say that they've necessarily come up short against really bad teams. And while this Green Bay Packers team has gotten better over the course of the season, and they're very young, which that's what you expect from a young team that's headed in the right direction, they still were the seventh seed going up against a two seed yeah. at home, a place where they had never, where they hadn't lost in damn near two seasons. Right. So, yeah, you deserve to be shocked by that. And it was a shocking outcome. And it's not only that they lost, even in the games, most of the games that they've lost, they were competitive Last year against the 49ers, they weren't competitive. This game, they were not competitive against a team that is bad on defense and very young on offense. The Packers took the opening kickoff. They won the toss. They elected to take the ball. They drove it right down the Cowboys' throat, and I use that expression intentionally. They didn't dink it. They didn't do anything. They rammed it down their throat and made them like it, and they never stopped at no point was that a game. The game was over by the time the Cowboys started doing anything at all. Explain the so, defense to me, Dominique. What so, happened? First of all, the Packers came into that game expecting to do that. Receiving the ball is like a rarity. The strategic move is normally to defer. They asked for the ball. They won the toss and said, we want the ball. Right. And then went all the way down the field. And early on, they, they got stopped on their first run. And then they did a pass where there was a penalty called that moved the ball on, that um, got them first down. I was surprised at how easily it seemed like they were able to move the ball and run the ball specifically because you have to know when you're the Cowboys, your weakness defensively is to be able to stop the run. Their strength offensively is to run the ball. You have to come in with a couple different things that you can do to stop the run. And once they stopped that first run, I'm not sure they stopped another run for the rest of the game. I was talking to Himbo before the show, and they they averaged 4.3 yards uh, per carry expected. 
That's what was expected based on the blocking. So that's suggesting that an average running back would get that. And Aaron Jones is above average. So this offensive line in this game plan was destroying the Cowboys. Pemba, what, what, put, put some context to the Cowboys defense yesterday. I need Neek to answer a personnel question for me because the Cowboys defense was on the field for 54 snaps yesterday. And 48 of those snaps, they had six or more defensive right. backs on the field. Not five. Like, five is, like, yeah. kind of what teams do now. Six. And they never went away from it. Tell me why. Yeah, I assume that it's because they're concerned about the two tight ends that uh, that the Packers have, and they're concerned about the play action. And also, I think they've been running a safety at linebacker just about all season long. So while you count it as an extra DB in their uh, media guide, they've probably already changed that <laughs> to linebacker because he's been playing linebacker all season long. So I think that was the reason why. And they were probably afraid to go in there with the linebackers because they're not deep. I'll back. ask you a better question. So the Packers are playing heavy. They played 26 26- plays yesterday in 12 personnel multiple tight ends why did the Cowboys at no point deviate from playing so light despite the fact that like Rini said they were running it down their throats yeah because they didn't practice for that they aren't prepared for that and that's a, a strike against their coach I think Dan Quinn it's always been a knock against him is that the in all the the the, the Seahawks disciples is mm. we do what we do this is what we do we have great players and we're going to do it that's what they did. They're like, this is what we do. We have our players, and we're going to do it. And then it didn't work. And then there's no other move. The only other move they had was then they did that all-out blitz, blitz, which Jordan Love was incredibly prepared for. <laughs> they checked the play. They motioned the change to leverage and hit a, a guy in the back of the end zone. I think it was Wicks again in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. And they just couldn't cover them in man coverage, which is something that, that could be an answer mm. is man coverage. But they couldn't stick with all those young receivers. Look, when things go as badly as they did for the Cowboys yesterday, you could throw a dart in any yeah. direction you want and hit a problem. But if you ask me to pinpoint the single biggest reason <clears throat> why they got blown out that way, it was because they couldn't stop the run. Right. And, and, and I don't care how long they play the game. I, mean, I know we've gone to a passing league and all this kind of stuff. But the one thing that will always remain true is if they're just gashing you with the running game time and time and time again, you have no chance. So before you get to Dak and before you get to missed coverages and before you get to anything else, it starts with that. And so, Nick, I... I don't mean to re-ask the question Hembo right. just asked, but it's one thing to say, well, I'm afraid they'll do this or I'm afraid they'll do that. They're doing this. They're right. killing you with this. If you're just going to let them continue to do that, you have no chance to win. They, I thought Dan Quinn coached as bad a game yesterday right. as I've – if it's that obvious to me, I can't even fathom what it's like for the other team. I don't think you could do a worse job than he did yesterday. Yeah, I think you construct a team to do certain things better and certain things you have to – they're trade-offs and everything in life. There are trade-offs. And this team is an incredible front-running team, which sounds like a pejorative, but I don't mean it that way necessarily. This team, if they get a two-touchdown lead on you, you're in trouble because that's what they are built to do. They are built to have those athletic guys in the background and built to rush the passer. They're smaller up front and athletic up front. They're not a hard-nosed team. And as you get in modern football, like people will say that passing the ball is more efficient than running the ball. That's true because running the ball is so damn hard to do effectively. Running the ball is a lot safer. You're not going to get an interception when you're running the ball. It's less likely to turn it over. If you're able to run the ball as efficiently as they can, then it doesn't matter. There's no point in passing it. And I think that's your point is first you have to take that away. And you can take that away by personnel. You can take that away by certain schemes. Or you can take it away how they've been taking it away much of this season is by Dak Prescott scoring uh, a lot of points in the first half. And then, all right, we don't have to worry about that foolishness anymore. They're not going to run the ball because they need to come back. Greeny and Neek, Hembo is here. Bubba will join us later. 
Let me ask you a question. Do either of you play a lot of board games? You know, you've got little kids now at this point. Hembo, they're too young for that. Do you play yeah. any board games? A What's bit. the simplest? What is like the easiest, like the board Checkers? game you play? Uh, no. Oh, shoots and ladders? Okay, Candyland? Because I was going to say, checkers would be giving the Cowboys <laughs> too much credit. To say that Matt LaFleur was playing chess yeah. and Mike McCarthy was playing checkers yesterday would be to greatly overstate the performance of Mike McCarthy. B- M- Matt LaFleur was playing chess and Mike McCarthy was playing shoots and ladders. He was Aww. playing Candyland. He was playing a game where you just turn a yeah. card over. What's the card game? War? Where I just oh, put down yeah. a card, you put down a card, which one's higher? I win and we go on. <laughs> like that's what the Cowboys... That, to say they were outcoached is so underselling what happened... I still can't believe it. I, I, maybe that's what surprises me yeah. so much. Like, to your point, last year, they, the 49ers were better than them. They were more yeah. physical than them. Dak played bad. Like, it was easy to explain. Right. This was a total meltdown. Their coaches looked like they didn't practice. Like, the whole week, they just said, ah, we're not even going to bother with this one. Like, what the hell just happened? So I think this was the fair criticism that we had much of the year of the Cowboys, and it was also a compliment. Again, I guess this goes to the point about trade-offs is they simplified things a lot, and they allowed Dak Prescott a lot of decision-making power, but the plays that they were running offensively week to week did not feel like they were designed for the opponents they were going against. But it didn't matter because Dak was so good and so effective, and a lot of teams were not changing what they were doing against them. When they ran into teams, and I think Buffalo's another example of this, that were changing what they were doing to specifically take away what the Cowboys wanted to do, they struggled. And we saw that yesterday. They were doubling C.D. Lamb, which that's the main goal, doubling C.D. Lamb. They were playing a little bit of Tampa 2 where they were taking, trying to take away that middle field uh, seam route that, that Dak loves to the tight end. And then there's no other answers, and they can't run the ball effectively. So after they take away what the Cowboys want to do, and that's the, the drawback, I think, to Mike McCarthy is he's like, all right, I know what works. This is what we do. This is what works. When it doesn't work, they didn't have, they had some screen passes. They didn't have much else. It seemed like they were confused after that. Yahtzee. <laughs> I'm, 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 Parcheesi. Like, what are the easy Guess operation? Who? Whatever the, the little one we get. Right. Oh, he's, he's, he's there. Well, I mean, there's no, you can't. There's no strategy. Like, so, so, so we're going to talk about Dak. And Dak deserves to be talked about. He has a history of playing small in big games, and he most certainly lived up to that or down to it yesterday, however you want to describe it. But for me, it begins with the coaching. Like, Hembo, yeah. I, I don't know, any other numbers you have or any other thoughts you have, I thought they were so out-schemed, right. so out-coached, so out-prepared. Cowboys didn't look in any way ready to play a game, and the Packers looked in every way ready to play a game. To me, that's the story. Yeah, the Cowboys were a touchdown favorite in this game, and they were trailing by as many as 32 points. I mean, the final score is not indicative of, of what happened. I would be more sympathetic to Dan Quinn and the defense if this is not exactly how they were eliminated in each of the previous two years. So I went back and checked their last three playoff losses, the, the two San Francisco games and the Green Bay game yesterday. Those teams ran it 103 times and threw it 75 times. I mean, it's like a college football game. You're going to hand the ball off. Three out of five times to your back? That's literally like us saying you can't stop the most basic thing in football. So are we going to blame personnel for you know the, the front office not giving them better big people? Or are we going to blame the coaching staff for the third straight year? Because it was honestly kind of a carbon copy of what we had previously seen. And so, with Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, for a job you will love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Is Bill Belichick going to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys by 
the end of next week, Dominique? I find it hard to believe. I know um, Shefty said earlier that he thought that Bill Belichick would be comfortable with uh, not having complete control, which I don't think that would be the holdup. It just does not seem like something that Bill Belichick would like to enter into, not only because of having to deal with and maybe you could argue it's a benefit Jerry Jones is going to do all the talking for you you don't have to do it but you're going to have to answer questions based on the foolishness that Jerry Jones has said the week prior like Mike McCarthy came into this game knowing because Jerry Jones made it clear that his future was dependent on the outcome of this game I can't imagine Bill Belichick in a situation where he is comfortable with every week having to respond to something that the owner said or having the players have to listen to that especially when he has choices and then you put on top of it you keep saying that this was the Cowboys' best chance. Yeah. You say that because there are decisions that have to be made on the roster. There are going to be some trade-offs that are made on the roster coming up here real soon, and that's not a great situation necessarily for a coach who feels like he needs to win right now. Bottom line, Dak, C.D. Lamb, and Micah, Micah Parsons, that is $100 million or thereabouts per year in contract that you don't currently aren't currently paying that you're going to have to at least uh, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. at least right at least Dak is going to be close to 60 mm-hmm. Parsons is going to get what 25 what, what are defensive players yeah. get yeah that's days? 25 25 and 30 CD, in 20 at least yeah we're talking about at least 100 million dollars for three people this was their chance they're going to get worse now they're well, definitively I mean, going to get worse. I think that we often talk about how drafting a first round quarterback or draft not first round quarterback but having a young quarterback really frees up the rest of your roster that's true but you can also win, or you have to also win, by drafting well elsewhere, like Micah Parsons. Them getting Micah Parsons is part of the reason, having him on a discount is part of the reason why they have been mm. competitive and part of the reason why this defense has created so many turnovers, and we had convinced ourselves that this defense was great. So they do have another opportunity to hit the draft again. If they can hit again and get be fortunate to have someone like Micah fall to them, then I do think it changes the dynamic. They're going to have to move on from some players. The most important thing, I think, is protecting Dak Prescott and giving him a running game to support them in this offseason and then figuring out how they're going to stop the run. If they can address that in this offseason through free agency and the draft in a way that uh, does not conflict with the money mm-hmm. they have to pay out, then their chance might get a lot better. I, I got it just to give you an indication of how I feel about it. In the middle of the third quarter when the game was no longer a game, I got a text from a friend of mine saying, does McCarthy survive this? I wrote back, if you mean the fourth quarter, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Beyond that, hell to the no. You think he's gone? You think he's gone? Oh, my God. Yeah. If, if they don't fire him, then, then, then Jerry just – I mean, I, I agree with what Orlovsky said. He's really not that serious about winning. Uh, you, can't, you can't excuse this. Th- that was the, a meltdown of historic proportion. The first time a seven seed won, and the seven seed is relatively new to the NFL playoffs, but it's the first time a seven seed has gotten a win in the history of the NFL. And they didn't lose on a tipped ball. They didn't lose on a bad call. They, they lost in the first damn quarter. They lost like they in the over. first damn quarter because they weren't ready to play in any – Way That is first and foremost on the coach and the coaches. Nick, you are the best. We'll come back with much, much more, including a sad bubba as the morning continues on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. The Cowboys are just set up to fail. I hope they don't. You know I root for them. For my own selfish reasons. But Stephen A. always says they wait until the worst possible moment to rip your heart out. It's so set up for them. They were given this gift of the Eagles falling completely apart late in the season. And then the way that Detroit game played out, everything goes their way. It is so set up for this to be another heartbreak. This is Greeny. Once again, mine is that rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after my time. Look, the bottom line of it is this. When you've been around as long as I have and you've just been watching the sport as long as I have, some things just seem preordained. They feel destined to happen. This team was going to fall on its face. The way they did it, though, just stunned me. I thought they would lose. You know, I I did not think they'd lose this game at all. I thought they would win this. Then maybe Detroit would come in there and beat them on a, you know, an, an equally close game to the one we saw Something's clock management would wind up biting them, something like that. The idea that they would just get pulverized the way they did in this game, even I didn't see that coming. So, where do we begin? We'll do it in 30 seconds after this from Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. To me, that was a fire everybody game. I, I, I don't know how else you put it. If I'm the owner, I'm firing everybody. And, and who exactly constitutes everybody, I don't know. I'll figure that out. I'll fire everybody, then I'll figure out who I want to bring back. Does it constitute the quarterback? Well, so the quarterback is going to be the most complicated of all the evaluations. Because Dak Prescott is, he's two things, I think... There are two things of which we can say about him that are indisputable. One, he's a good player. Dak Prescott is definitely a good quarterback. If you're breaking the league up into good quarterbacks and bad quarterbacks, there are plenty of bad ones, and he's a good one. Of that, I don't think anyone, I don't think his most ardent critic would disagree with that. The second is that he is a freaking stand-up leader. That guy stands up there and takes the slings and arrows 
every week. He has the highest profile job in the entire league. He's there for you in good moments and bad. He feels like his teammates love him and rally around him. And I think that is incredibly important for the quarterback to be a leader. And he is that. So those are two massive things on the positive side of the ledger. In fact, they're so massive that the answer to your question becomes, no, you don't get rid of him. You bring him back. The problem is he's not good enough to offset the amount of money you're going to have to pay him. You're going to have to pay him $59 million to be your quarterback next year, which means you're going to have to get rid of this guy or that guy and that guy and his cousin. And what does that mean? It means your team gets worse. And he is one of those quarterbacks. I think there are a list of these guys who are in the right situation good enough to win with. Now, he hasn't even proved to be that. But I think he is. I think he is good enough with better coaching to win if everything around him is good. But everything around him is about to get much, much worse. So he is not on a very short list of players. Now, that's not as critical as it's going to sound because the list is that short. Let's name the players that right now we feel as close to certain as you can be are the elitist of the elite level, meaning you pay them whatever you have to pay them. They elevate whatever's around them. No matter what else happens, they're that good. You win because of them. How, before we start making the list, Cam, how many of them do you think there are going to be? Just watch your number. There are 32 teams in the NFL. How many of them do we think we're going to say yes to? If we're talking like indisputable, make, yes. make everyone better, I think it's going to be lower than we think. I think it's going to be like five or six. Okay. I, I, that's not lower than I think. Okay. I think I, six or eight. I don't think we're going to get anywhere near eight. Go ahead, start naming them. Hembo. Let's try it. Uh, Josh Allen. One. Joe Burrow. Two. Patrick Mahomes. Three. C.J. Stroud. I mean, is it is it too soon to say that? Can are we, we say are we, that are, about are we a counting? Rookie? Are we counting how much they currently make? Are we? Are we new, no, no, not counting how the much they make. Field. Counting guys that you say paying him is something I do gladly, as opposed to something I'm doing because I have no choice. There were lots of quarterbacks who were good, and Dak Prescott is one of them, and he's going to make $59.5 million for being good. You don't look at him and say, he's worth every penny of that. You look at him and say, we can't do better. There's no one we could get that's cheap enough that is going to be good enough. We mm-hmm. can, Daniel Jones, uh, Justin Fields is going to get $40 million from somebody. Right? Daniel Jones gets $40 million, right? He gets $40 million. $40 million. So the difference from 40 he's a guy that you're paying that because you have no choice. Mm-hmm. That's just the going rate for these things. I would rather pay Dak Prescott $60 million than Daniel, Daniel Jones $40 million. But that doesn't mean that he is anywhere near a level with Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes. You want to say C.J. Stroud looks like he's headed in that direction? I would say that. Let's even, let's even give you him. Keep going. Uh, Justin Herbert. No. I don't know that. I mean, I love him. I'd love to have him. I'd love to see what happens. Are you telling me right now, with certainty, what exactly is it they've won? They've won nothing. They're nothing. I think, they've, I think they're terribly coached. They fired their coach last year. Harbaugh is going to coach them. I think they'll get great. I think he's that good, but I don't know it. How about Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think Lamar Jackson. Yes. I think you have to say yes. Jalen Hurts? No. Not I mean, after this he's season. He's had one year. He was, his team was leading by 10 points at halftime of the Super Bowl less than a year ago. Right, that's one year. He was good this year. He wasn't great this year. He was good this year. 
He was, he was, a, he was 90% of Dak Prescott this year, at least 80% of Dak Prescott yeah, this year. But I'm not year. putting Dak Prescott. If you're 80% of Dak Prescott, what percent are you of Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson? I mean, only Josh Allen had more touchdowns than Jalen Hurts this year. He was tied with Dak Prescott. He, he's up there. He's at least on the short list. Okay, keep you, going. you agree with that? Uh, I'm just looking at the highest paid guys right now. So I'm looking at Russell Wilson, who's a no. Okay. Kyler Murray's a no, right? Uh, Deshaun course. Watson's a no. Uh, Matthew Stafford? Where are we on Matthew Stafford? Uh, Deshaun Watson, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. People, we've talked a lot about the Russell Wilson trade possibly being one of the worst trades in NFL history. Coming off of that game against Houston, the team that they made the trade with, when you really sat and looked at all the things the Texans got out of that deal, plus they have the infinitely better quarterback now, and throw in the fact that the Browns gave Watson a, a league-reshaping contract that actually caused practically every team in the league to have a nervous breakdown because it was so unprecedented. I think the argument could be made the Watson trade is worse. I think the Watson trade, they still have a number one in this year. The, Houston has Cleveland's first-round pick it's this astonishing. year. Astonishing. I think that's a worse trade. I don't know. I mean, at least Watson might still become something. Yeah, what, might. Would, you, what would you bet on that? Very little. Very little, right? Very would, you, little. would you bet $230 million guaranteed dollars on that? <laughs> I, wouldn't bet, I wouldn't bet $230 no, on that. Right? You want I mean, some icing on the cake? Go. Baker Mayfield might win a playoff game tonight. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, Baker Mayfield is, is, is playing pretty well. And C.J. Stroud looks like he's you know, the second coming. Oh, he's phenomenal. And all the rest he's of this. He's so good. He's phenomenal. Where does Jordan Love uh, rank on this list, stack up on this list? That's much too soon. Who knows? I mean, I, he looks like he's going to be really We can really do a good. little projecting here, though. I mean, no, both, we can't. We can't. Would you pay him $60 million right now? I would be, with his, given his age and what we saw him do this year, I would, I would definitely give a long, hard thought about it. Would you pay Dak? I would pay Dak because you have no better choice. Life is all about the options that you have. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Like, I understand that, it, that there, are, there are extenuating circumstances. Maybe this is the best illustration that we have of our belief that more quarterbacks are ruined than developed. But Jordan Love wasn't supposed to be this. Jordan Love is a late first-round pick. C.J. Stroud wasn't the first quarterback taken last year. And despite all of the hindsight, all the 2020 hindsight of people saying, oh, I knew all along he was better. No, you didn't. I was doing the draft. I was talking to everyone. Three quarters of the teams in the NFL would have taken Bryce Young ahead of C.J. Stroud. They're just thrilled now they didn't. But everyone miss, had that one wrong or backwards or the situation one of them is in is great and the situation the other one in is, is, is not. Jordan Love, if he had been forced to start his first game the way we throw these kids in there, would he be where he was last night? Probably not. Surrounded by really good coaching and really good um, stable leadership and all the rest of those things. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this stuff. Would you rather right now have Jordan Love or Justin Fields? Jordan Love. Justin Fields was infinitely higher projected coming out of the draft. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love or Zach Wilson? <laughs> it's a hilarious question, right? Mac Jones. All these guys had higher draft grades than Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Much higher. It's not even close. But only one of them was drafted to a team that had some modicum of patience and foresight. Well, I mean, you're making my point for mm-hmm. me. So Jordan Love is what he is. now. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you're the Cowboys, do you think to yourself, I can go into this draft where there are a ton of good quarterbacks who are going to go in round one, not all at the top, 
It's not this is a, I just started my draft prep this weekend in earnest. I've done two quarterbacks so far, the, the two that everybody knows, which are Caleb Williams and Drake May. But we got Jaden Daniels. J.J. McCarthy announced he's coming out this week. Could J.J. McCarthy wind up being a great NFL quarterback? He could. Yeah, that, that, that's the point. I don't see it, but you know what? I don't know that anyone saw it in Jordan Love, but Brian Gutekunst saw it. Brian Gutekunst, I know we're jumping all over the place. Take a freaking bow. Get up and take a bow and feel free to rub it in everybody's face, starting with mine. You were right. There's no other way to say it. That kid is terrific. And the reason he's terrific, no, not the reason, a reason he's terrific is the way he was brought along. Mm. Is that you had a plan and you got it right. And he looked so much more comfortable and ready to play a big game yesterday than Dak Prescott did. It wasn't even close. And Dak Prescott's been in the league however many years he is. 2016. And this was Love's first year playing. And Brian Gutekunst had to listen on a weekly basis to Aaron Rodgers slander every fiber of his being on national shows and listen to the mainstream media tell him that he should have drafted a wide receiver to help Aaron Rodgers fill this championship window of theirs. And in the end, the Packers, Packer. They've got themselves a quarterback for the next 10 years, and they got the right guy at the right time and built the off-ramp. If you look at the most successful NFL franchises right now over a long period of time, We've seen the handoff from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, the handoff from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson, the handoff from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, the handoff from Carson Wentz to Jalen Hurts. Is there any coincidence? You're, if, you, if you go through medical school and then day one, before you get to residency, they just ask you to be a surgeon, you're going to fail. Most all of you are going to flunk. The, the, the Eagles, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Packers, they get it all right. They understand that there's a huge gulf between college football and pro football. And if you can find a way to build that bridge, you're going to give that player a much, much better chance of succeeding. That's the right way to put it, a much better chance, because there are no guarantees, Mm -mm. and certainly there are are exceptions to your rule. I happen to be completely on your side. But let's just look through the teams. Which of the quarterbacks that we really like right now started the first game of their rookie year? I'm just looking through the the teams here. Josh Allen did not. Mm -mm. Tua, did Tua? No. Who did they have? They had Fitzpatrick. Oh, they had Fitzpatrick. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. New England, no. Jets, no. Cowboys. Well, Dak was forced into playing. He wasn't supposed to. He was never supposed to play. But Romo got hurt. And Dak, I guess he would have to be one. He's, he, a, he's a good player. He would definitely be one. Okay. Uh, Eagles, no, no, no. Washington, no, no. Lamar Jackson, no. Joe Burrow, yes. He's a, a unique exception. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow is a unique exception. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun got, hurt Tom his Savage year. started for them in the week first one week, it. but then he came in and started playing almost immediately, right. and then he tore up his knee. Mm-hmm. So we can't include him in this. Steelers. No, I can't even. They don't even have wrong. anybody. No, Justin Fields. No Lions. Uh, he's not even their guy. Uh, Love. No Vikings. No C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is 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 the big outlier there, in this. There are certain guys that have the ability to handle that jump, but very few of them. I think that in years one and two, like there are so many, there are so many anecdotal examples now of quarterbacks that become great when they have that opportunity to learn. I'm not convinced that time is not exceedingly valuable. Like on the job training does not necessarily have to be under the bright lights of an NFL game. I don't know what Patrick Mahomes would have been if he started year one. I don't know. But we do know what he became, and he got to sit behind Alex Smith for a year. So that is instructive, if nothing else. Joe Burrow and CJ Stroud may be the only ones. 
As Isn't I look across wild? the entire league, it's those two guys. Wild. And, and historically, there have been others. I mean, Peyton Manning started week one of his rookie year and all that. But, but as, far as, um, as far as current situations where you say, yep, they are set, they are good, and they, are, they have it right, Joe Burrow and C.J. Stratt are the only ones I can see here that started week one. Uh, and, and Dallas. I mean, Dak Prescott. Right. But that Again, was, he that, was forced into action, yeah, but it was ro- what it was. That he roster was, was loaded. And look, look, Bryce Young is not 1% more equipped to play the quarterback position than he was a year ago this time. And Anthony Richardson couldn't stay on the field. So, I mean, C.J. Stroud, even in this year's class, is the obvious exception. I don't know that about Bryce Young. See, so, see, so sometimes, so that can go one of two ways. Bryce Young took a beating this year, psychologically, physically, and in every other way. Some guys never recover from that. Mm-hmm. See, David Carr. Other guys, it steals them. It, like they've they've now been through the worst, and it gets much, much, much better. But but the problem in Carolina is I have zero confidence in the owner to get to put the right situation around him, and the owner has proven himself to be to be so, so the last one you would want to coach for if you had options that they're going to have a very hard time getting a coach anybody else wants. So few quarterbacks have the mental fortitude to absorb that abuse for four months and come out on the other side. Like it's not, it's not at all surprising to me that this is the trajectory of so many talented players. You cover the draft for us now. Like the differential in talent between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud is basically non-existent. But the differential in performance this year is so incredibly instructive. And there was obviously a chasm in large part because of that. I mean, in C.J. Stroud's case, he was obviously just ready. But also the environment was infinitely better. And you know what the hilarious part of that is? That all the talk about the two of them and the separation was that Bryce Young had all the things we now know C.J. Stroud has. (laughs) That he was the guy who was the mentally tough. He was the great leader. He was all this. Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud, the -the off-the-field stuff was the stuff they were criticizing. They were questioning that going into the draft his leadership, all that stuff. He didn't interview well in some places. I mean, that's what people were saying about him. That's how little the people who make NFL decisions actually know. This guy turns out to be like a born leader from the second he walked in the door. All anyone is doing is lauding that now. All everyone was doing was questioning it going into the draft. We've decided that the development nature of the position is totally thrown out the window. Oh, we have the rookie quarterback contract to capitalize on. Well, it doesn't matter if you ruin the freaking quarterback. Right. And everybody does it. And all of that sort of brings us back to what we were talking about a minute ago, which is do you pay Dak what you're going to have to pay Dak? And ultimately the answer is going to be yes. And you just got to figure out how to put pieces around him, even though you're going to have to lose a lot of the ones you currently have. And the beginning of that is getting an excellent coach. The one thing they've not had since Bill Parcells was there, was an elite coach because none of them want to work with Jerry Jones. So maybe that's the message. Jerry, if you want to win a championship, you're going to have to bring in someone who is going to take a little bit of the attention away from you. We're back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and we come to you live, as always, from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. So the conversation has gone a lot of different directions this morning. Most of it has stemmed from what happened between the Cowboys and the Packers yesterday, and it has gone into a lot of quarterback stuff and all the rest of that. And then we get to the coaching carousel, and I I will just make mention of this again. Shefty... 
alluded to it on television this morning. We've seen his reporting from yesterday. Jim Harbaugh is meeting with the Chargers today. I am here to tell you, and if you've been listening to the show, you've heard me say it multiple times, he won't meet with anyone else. He is going to be the coach of the Chargers. I, I'm as sure of that as I could be of anything. The only way it won't happen is if they somehow turn him off. It's the job he wants, and they'd be insane not to want him. Would Belichick showing interest in the Chargers change anything? No. If I'm them? the Chargers, I'd rather have Jim. Jim is, is that unique. Like, this is the most unique coaching cycle because of the presence of Harbaugh and Belichick. Like, normally, Mike Vrabel would be the prettiest girl at the dance, right? She'd be the one everyone wanted to dance with because he's a proven winner. He's a really good coach. He's, he's good with everything um, he's the guy everybody would want. He's definitively the third most exciting person in this conversation. And oh, by the way, I think we still have the potential for three jobs to come open. Three. I believe the Cowboy job is going to come open. I will be shocked if Jerry Jones doesn't fire Mike McCarthy. Want to make a bet on that? Really? You think he's going to keep McCarthy? Sandwich bet, you and me. I think he's going to keep McCarthy. Well, here's the problem with that. We go for lunch once a week to do our, 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 our work on the book that we have working on. I always pay for lunch. So we're actually betting nothing in this case. If, 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 if I, what you're saying is if you win, you will buy me one sandwich. I'll buy you one sandwich. If, if he does get fired. With my, with my winnings from the Eagles losing tonight. Uh, $6.50 sandwich. So that's your budget. You think Mike McCarthy is going to keep that job? I think he survives the job. We have to remember that, that Jerry Jones is the same owner that allowed Jason Garrett to coach his team for 10 years. And having watched Jason Garrett's commentary on NBC, I don't understand for the life of me how. Mike McCarthy entering sort of, uh, I guess you might say, like a prove-it year or a walk year for his contract, I think is what Jerry Jones will get and what Jerry Jones wants. What they'll do is replace the defensive coordinator when Dan Quinn becomes the head coach of the Seahawks. Jerry will convince himself that Mike, having won 12 games in three consecutive seasons, is the right man for the job despite these foibles in the playoffs, and will convince himself that it was the defense's fault in this occasion and not Mike's because that's just what he does. Okay, well... I mean, look, you may prove to be right. I will be very, very surprised. And, and frankly, while it is not generally my style to suggest someone absolutely has to be fired, if, if you bring back Dak and mm-hmm. you bring back Mike McCarthy coming off this yesterday, if I'm a fan, I am discouraged beyond words. Let's play along then, because you asked Dominique earlier this hour. If he does wind up moving on from Mike McCarthy and doing what you think he will— who would be number one on your list? Belichick. You think Belichick is the best fit, or do you just want to see it? I think he's the, the best most. fit. I think he's the best fit. I think fit. this team is way less than the sum of its parts. If there's one thing I think Bill Belichick has always been great at, it's getting maximum out of his parts. Whatever it is he's got, he squeezes every drop. What was it Teddy Bruschi said last week about squeezing a towel until every single Mm -hmm. ounce of water comes out of it? That's what Belichick does. What has happened is his talent level has fallen off so badly, he's made a couple of misses here and there on coaching, you know, the decision he made with with the offensive coordinators and stuff. That happens. He's not perfect. But I think he remains an excellent game coach, an excellent strategist, and I think that's what they need. I think if Bill Belichick had been the coach of the Cowboys yesterday, that game would not have played out the way that it did. Agree on all counts. I guess my follow-up would be, is that an environment in which you could see Bill Belichick wanting to coach No. Him? I agree. Michael Strahan said it really well. 
If you were watching when the game ended yesterday, before I switched over to the, watch the, the second quarter, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. I still had it on when the game ended. I wanted to see the handshakes. I always like seeing that. I, I, I would like to see more of that. And this is a, sort of a blanket statement about, um, I don't know what it's like to direct a football game, but I feel like they're constantly cutting to so many things at the end of a game. Like there were a few that you really want to see, but whatever. Anyway, I always like watching for that. And the point of it is that after that, they went back to the studio and Jimmy Johnson, who, by the way, was the best coach in the, <laughs> on TV yesterday. <laughs> yes. Um, way better coach than McCarthy. But anyway, Michael Strahan said an interesting thing afterwards. He said, um, let the Cowboys be a football team. He said they're too much like a, a, a drama. Like everything about them and that Jerry Jones likes it this mm. way is so it's like a Hollywood script. They're, I think he said they're not Broadway actors. They're football players. Let them be. There's so much show associated with the Cowboys. And look, the media is certainly complicit in that. But we're playing into something that we are given, and we're running with it because it works like crazy. The point is, I don't think Belichick wants that. I don't think Belichick wants the owner talking to the media. I don't think Belichick wants the owner talking to all of the players. I don't think, I think you know how he is. I don't think he cares as much about having control of the roster as he cares about having control of the environment. And Jerry Jones will not, he will not have that. Remind me, so we've had Andrew Hawkins here a few times on Get Up recently. Yeah. And I, I want to say that he made a really good point about his brief time in New England insofar as even he, as what was a fairly insignificant player on those teams for that short time, had to answer to like what the Patriots and what Belichick required you to do or not do when it comes to media. Like They were very particular with that. And if media, you... meals, everything he talked about. Belichick is in control of everything. He is, to use a, an expression that should not be meant as a pejorative, a control freak. Mm. He wants to be in total control. There is no way he is that in Dallas. No, there's definitely no way. And that's why I think his fit, Belichick's fit in Philadelphia with Jeff Lurie, who's a lot more like Robert Kraft than he is like Jerry Jones, to me is the one to have circled here. I think if Bill is smart, (laughs) and I think Bill is smart, I think he'll merely use Jerry Jones and the Cowboys to get more money from Philly if they lose tonight. Yeah, I don't even think that that money is an issue. I think he's made so much money and is going to make so much money. How about Atlanta? Atlanta... Is, is a team that everyone keeps pointing to. I don't see it. I don't get it. Like that one, that one need to be sold to me. Like I don't think their program is in as good a shape as everyone seems to think. Cam, what did you just say? Why not Vrabel in Dallas? I mean, look, yeah, why not anyone in Dallas? I mean, there's a lot of people that could, that could go there. Vrabel, I think, is a very good coach. He's not Bill Belichick. No, I just think he wouldn't clash with Jerry on those things as much and will give you the leadership, the nuts and bolts, we're not going to make any clock mistakes or anything like that. You'll always be prepared to play no matter what. You're not going to show up like that in a playoff game. This is a guy who coached the 9-7 and Titans to the AFC Championship game and almost beat Andy Reid. So I think he has a better chance of doing that and not clashing with the front office as Belichick might. Maybe. I, I, I think he's going to have other options. I, I think Jerry, look, I like Jerry Jones. So this isn't going to sound like I, I like him, but I do. But if you're a coach... He's a headache. Mm. He is he is a net negative. And if you're Mike Vrabel, I think you're going to have options. If you're Bill Belichick, you're going to have options. Michael Strahan's comments are fascinating to me. I want to ask you a little bit more about that later because I see the same thing from afar. Like it's They're really good at making money and, and really bad at winning football games in January. And we're talking about multiple generations of the same thing. They're 5-13 and 13 in the playoffs since they last won the Super Bowl. 
there has to be some kind of institutional reason why. There has to be. Yeah. Now, the Jets have won as many playoff games as they have. They've won more. <laughs> they, they've won, the Jets, did we count it? Did they get to six? The Jets have Rich, six. Rich won four. How many did Herman win? One or two? Why oh, can't the, I remember? The, the Jets have seven playoff wins since the Cowboys last the won. The Texans have six, by the way. They have more, too. That's not good. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not good. I will be right back on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.